0: Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. Today's episode is with Rabia Vons. I have known Rabia for about eight years, and she is just a cool person. She is down to earth. She is passionate. She has a calming energy about her that is contagious, uh, Rabia works as a physician assistant and she's the co founder and CEO of Elevate Functional Medicine. You'll have to check them out online. Her passion for health and wellness evolved out of her own health struggles and the frustrations she faced navigating the conventional medical system. She's worked in functional medicine for over 10 years and really takes a mind body trauma informed approach to addressing the root cause of physical symptoms and supporting the long term well being of her patients. This episode is absolutely absolutely incredible. If you want to find your soul in medicine or find your heartbeat along your wellness journey, this is an episode you do not want to miss. Rabia, welcome to the little by podcast. Thank you. I am so excited to have you on here because it's really fun that we are both in functional medicine at different practices, but are both passionate about the same thing. And um, one of my favorite things about Robbie and I tell her this all the time is that she has such a collaborative spirit about her. And um, when I first went to open my practice, I remember calling her and I was like, "Robbie, what do I do?" And she was like, "All right, you set up a EMR and you just go from there." And um, I don't even know if you really realize, like, (laughs) I don't think Rabia realizes how foundational she was for me opening stats. So I'm really excited to have her on the podcast.
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm so proud of everything that you've accomplished. You're such an inspiration. It's just, it's And this is great as well. So I'm super excited to be here.
0: Well, Rabia is like the... She really brings a soul into medicine, and this is a kind of new topic for us on the Little by podcast. But really, kind of getting into the why um, behind functional medicine, and I think that soul is a piece that's missing because one of the things Robbie and I were talking about is you can't just like tell a patient what to do. You can't just tell them to do X, Y, and Z if their soul's not there. If they don't understand the why. Um, so first, I wanted to hear Robbie, like, what got you into medicine in the first place.
1: Yeah, I know. It's a great question because, you know, I love to think about that. I just see so many steps like along the way that just kind of got me there. And I won't take you on every little little um, piece of the journey. But I think really, like when I got to college, um, I was really I just had this passion for making sure people, you know, I, I wanted people to know information about health. And I so I got my undergraduate degree in public health. It was like community health education, and i just found it was really fun to be able to provide people with information um, but it was it you know the, there's other aspects to that i really wanted to impl- influence behavior change and things like that so i've been i've been in that side of things since very early on and then you know once i graduated um i and even before then like in my early 20s going even into my 30s i i struggled with a lot of health issues myself and so I would, I I found myself, I mean, I think this is a lot of functional medicine providers. They've had similar experiences where they kind of got lost in the conventional medical maze. Um, So I would go to the doctor and I'd be saying, I'm having these issues and I'd get a prescription and I'd be so frustrated and I'd go home and I'd still be having problems and I'd be trying to do my own research and feeling really anxious about it not getting answers go you know get the courage to go back to the doctor and just not feeling a lot of hope like they're going to be able to help me and just super frustrated you know and so I, I did some work to you know work through things myself um and and you know made some you know uh, changes with my lifestyle but i really just through that frustration i was like i want to be a doctor like i want to go and i want to be a provider but I didn't, you know, the, the, the fit with medical school wasn't really for me. I wanted to do the job of being a provider, but I didn't really want to commit to all those years of um, medical training to go all the way to be an MD. And so I I found the PA route to so I'm a physician assistant and I, that just seemed like it fit for me. So I went to PA school and unfortunately when I graduated, I just was still like really frustrated. I'm like, I want, went to school to feel that I could, you know, do these things differently. I could be a, you know, could really help people find how to be well, how to cultivate wellness. And unfortunately, really what I learned was how to write prescriptions and diagnose people, write prescriptions and send them on their way. So when I found functional medicine, it just was like a light bulb went off. I was like, wow, this is what I had always been seeking. I wanted to give people that information of why. Why are they sick? And also like how give them tools and how you can actually cultivate health and well-being. And so, um, that's kind of the short, short story of it.
0: So where did you go when you first graduated? Were you in in primary care?
1: When I first graduated, I actually got my start. So my first passion was in reproductive health and I really loved women's health. And I specifically really loved reproductive health. I loved, um, it, it was like the taboo stuff. I really wanted women to feel like they, um it's just so much that we don't talk about like in women's health like sexual health and and for me it was just like gosh if we just if women just knew and men um so if we we could just talk about these things we could really avoid a lot of issues and problems and you know sexuality is such a huge part of human the human experience and we you know a lot of times in our culture we just kind of act like it's either like you know we see it everywhere it's like hypersexualization in the media but then in You know, then we raise our kids and it's like, well, no, don't talk about that. Don't do it. And it was just like, it's so confusing. So it was really around like more, um, I worked with Planned Parenthood um, and then I worked with a a GYN office and that's where I got my start. It was a GYN and that she kind of was starting to dabble in functional medicine. So actually leaving and going towards functional medicine was kind of hard for me because I was like, gosh, I'm leaving this thing I feel so passionate about, but I just felt like functional medicine opening that whole world up to me and doing more, you know, just, just all of it, it gave me more, yeah, I could help people, I could help more people. And I could just, you know, just um, really not limit myself and not pigeonhole myself.
0: So who did you do your training through for functional medicine?
1: So a lot of my training was hands-on. I mean, honestly, I, I worked a lot of stuff out through myself. <laughs> I mean, I was, like, researching so much for my own self to try to recover that, um, you know, I, it was, like, the ultimate in, you know, education. And then I, I started seeing people. So I'd worked at, worked at a few practices where we did some low-level, like, beginner functional medicine stuff. And then, you know, where I met you was working with Dr. Taz. And that I kind of consider like my functional medicine, like fellowship where we, you know, I was just, I would work all day and you're seeing a ton of patients. It's really busy. You're seeing all sorts of different kind of things, but then you're, um, you know, I'd still have to go home and research and learn. So I have done trainings with um, IFM Institute for Functional Medicine but it was, it was challenging too. Cause a lot of this stuff, I mean, I'd be learning things there, but I'm like, yes, but then what do you do in practice? And so a lot of it is just, you're having to read and learn. And it's, you know, it's the art and the science you're having to merge these things. And it's uncomfortable because I really am a type of person where I just like to know what is the right thing to do. Like, just tell me the protocol and I'll do that. And in real life, that's just not how it works. I mean, you have to take the person in front of you and then like, I mean, you, you have to use, I mean, you're using facts and things you can measure and things like that, but you also, you really do have to use your own intuition. And so it's merging these things and doing it, seeing some things again and again and again and patterns, but also learning about other aspects of things. So I've just, I, it's hard to kind of put a pin on like one thing where I did my training. I'm like, my, my life is my training, like my own personal experiences, but also just like working with people over the years and, and seeing a ton of different things you pick up stuff along the
0: way. And I think that to me, you know, when you look at evidence-based practice, like one of the big legs is that clinical experience. And mm-hmm. I feel like that is such a big component of functional medicine because it really focuses on the fact that we're all individuals and yeah. no, the same thing doesn't work for You know, your 8 a.m. patient, your 9 a.m. patient, your 10 a.m. patient, like you have to really listen to their story and you have to meet them where they're at and you have to. So that's why I'm so passionate about functional medicine. And the more you're in it, the more you learn and build up that evidence just from clinical experience, which is a key component to evidence based medicine.
1: Yeah, and it's and it you know we say evidence like it, it's like this yeah we use it kind of like it's kind of like a weapon it's like or it like holds you back it's just like evidence and so it needs to be like this but that is not really what's going to help the masses of people what helps the masses of people is understanding that we're all each individuals we can and un, and understanding there's basic Foundational principles of what creates wellness, but then, you know, like we know in functional medicine, you could have 10 people with the same, you know, diagnosis. We ha- we do this ICD 10 code, and this is what we've named this diagnosis. But it, every single one of those people could have different root causes, and every single one of those people might need a different treatment plan because this just doesn't work for me. And so we got to find out what works for us and what works for each individual patient that we work work with.
0: And that's one of the most exciting things about functional medicine is we're constantly learning. I like never feel like I'm not researching and learning every yeah. Robbie and I were just talking about how we call it our second shift. Like we see patients all day and we come home and we just our minds are going and continuing to do research and learning because it's just an evolving field. S- So you have been in functional medicine for over 10 years, and um, you've worked with a lot of patients over the years. And I know you really focus a lot on the mind, body, spirit connection. And so just from your experience, how much of a role would you say that our mental health or our spiritual well-being play on our physical health?
1: Well, I think it's, it's kind of an, it's an interesting question. So I'll start, I'll break down like the different aspects of how I look at, like what we call like ourselves or like, this is what makes me, me. So you have the body, that's your like physical form. That's like what we can, you know, you can see it, you can touch it, you can measure things in the blood. And then the mental aspect is like, you know, our thoughts, our beliefs, our emotions, things like that. And then spirit, like sometimes that's, it's kind of out there, but you know, how do you define it? To me, I define it as like awareness consciousness, like you're aware that, um, you know, that you're having these experiences. And so you're aware that you have a body, you're aware that you have thoughts, if, if you we can slow down, we can notice that, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm having, I'm having this experience, that like, oh, I can see my body, and I can I can watch my thoughts run through the head. And so the interconnection of all this is what I, I consider, you know, ourselves. And so you have this, you know there there's all these aspects and they're always talking to each other to me there there is no there are separate but there really is no separation because what happens is with the body is going to impact the mind what happens with the mind is going to impact the body and so you're you know really um the mind is here to always interpret you know something It's 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 watching things and it's saying this is bad this is good this is safe this is dangerous and with that interpretation you, you know, a thought comes through, a belief comes through, and if it signals danger, then you have literal chemicals that are flooding into the body that that's going to impact function in the body. And if you are, you know, getting an interpretation that is like, oh, I'm safe, um, then you have a whole different set of chemicals. I'm safe, I'm connected, you know, I'm with my family and everything's good. And those impact directly, like what's happening in the body. So, um, and then you have spirit, which is, aware that all of this is, this interplay is happening and we can watch all of that. So I like this example of like, if I, if I have this experience where I'm like, where's my dog? And then you, you know, you hear this screeching of the tires and you think your dog just got hit by a car. Like instantly you're going to have physical changes in your body as you respond to just having that thought. So you if that happened to me, my my heart rate rate would and breathing would speed up. My mind might just go blank. My, my muscles tighten. I might be sweating. I might even like start screaming and running. So nobody has to tell me, and my no, nobody tells my body to do that. It just automatically happens. And on the on the you know contrary, if then my dog comes running out from behind me, then everything you know we we have the opposite. You know, I notice my heart and my breathing slows down. My muscles relax. I might stop sweating. I might you know let out a sigh. And so. If I can, if you can watch that, that's happening all the time. And so that's happening in response to like whatever we're perceiving at the mental level. And so if we can notice that a lot of times, um, you know, we're having physical things go on and we're like, well, there's no way it could be related to my mind. But absolutely everything from digestion to, you know, your blood pressure to, you um, you know, even muscle pain. I mean, all sorts of stuff, uh, physical things absolutely are tied into mental health. And then the spiritual side is just having the experience where you can watch all of it happen. and you can you can have an awareness that like I am not actually my body and I'm not actually my mind because I'm the the thing that's watching all this happen. If I can see it and I can watch it, then I'm not that. And so that's the the spiritual part of it for me is to like separate it and be like, yeah, and all this stuff's happening. But I'm not bad because I'm watching it, which is kind of like <laughs> interesting and intense because we don't really maybe always think about it like that. But, you know, these are all dynamic parts which influence how well we feel. And that's what it goes back to is like how well we function and how well we feel and how enjoyable the experience of being alive is.
0: I love that explanation. And it sounds like, you know, the mind, the body are that's happening subconsciously. Like there is no way to not yeah. have your mind and your body connected but the part that maybe some of our patients and, you know, even me personally is that spiritual side that could be lacking because we're lacking that awareness to how our mind and our body is connected.
1: Yeah. And that we're not that thing like that. That's not all that we are like so much. We get really body focused, I think especially, but we can get very mind focused too. We think we are depression. We are anxiety. I have this thing. This is who I am. That's not who you are. Or I am obese. I have, I am diabetic no, that's not who you are. So it's just kind of detaching from some of these things that we just get so heavy with. Like, we just want to, like, who are we? We are these things, and it's very usually limited. And so I think the spiritual practice is like tapping into more of the unlimited side of ourselves.
0: Is there any tips and tricks that you do with your patients to kind of help them navigate how mentally or spiritually well or healthy they are? Because I know for me... I I always talk, and Robbie and I talked about this too, that I'm a seven on the Enneagram. And so we're very future-oriented. It's harder for us to be present and actually pay attention to how we feel. It's hard to slow down and to actually be aware. Uh, Is there any tips or tricks or tools or questions that you ask your patients to kind of help them identify how mentally and spiritually well they are? Because I feel like if somebody asked me, I'd say, oh, I, I'm good. I feel, I feel good. I mm-hmm. feel mentally mm-hmm. well. But am I really in tune? Am I really aware on how I spiritually, physically, mentally am actually doing?
1: Well, I think, you know, I think it's a fluctuating thing, right? Um, it, you know, this is I think what we really, you know, I, I think what I watch when I watch people, they they really just, they're like, I'm here. Like, I, I look, I, I'm doing this and so I'm good now. And it's just like, no, this is more just like, you know, where am I right at this moment? So this is, I think of it more as like a fluid thing. And so like, I love this question. I love that you brought up the Enneagram because I love the Enneagram. And I think actually that can be very helpful. Enneagram helps you kind of understand some of your personality and, and what your tendencies are within, you know, whether you're healthy or unhealthy, what your tendencies are within your personality. And so having an understanding of yourself is really helpful because, you know, when I uh, did the Enneagram, it was like reading a manual on myself. I was like, how did somebody know this? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really helpful to kind of just work to understand yourself. Like, yeah, when I'm stressed, this is what happens. And when I'm you know, when I'm feeling really, you know, safe and connected and well, this, this is how it looks. And what are those things that, you know, help me do that. But so the things that I like to check in with people on are like, you know, how are you feeling? So to identify how, help you know, maybe mentally or spiritually well you are, it's to kind of check in with yourself and think about how often are you feeling like really activated by life, like irritated or frustrated or checked out or anxious or sad. Um, Because those are all really, those are all part of like a stress response, like life happens and we respond to it automatically. So you're going to have these reactions. And then also you want to balance that with like how easy it is for you to bounce back and feel happy, creative, excited, peaceful. And so it's not like those things are good or bad. It's just natural things. Like when I'm feeling really, when I am very mentally well and spiritually grounded, then I'm going to have more time where I'm feeling these happy you know the happy and being playful and creative and um just really connected i'm going to have more experiences like that that doesn't make you good or bad it's just talking about like you know maybe i'm needing more support if you're always feeling activated really the shift is how can we um how can i help myself recover more easily you're not never going to not be activated by life that's not the goal that is not the goal people that are like oh nothing ever bothers me you're probably bearing it somewhere like right. it's not that's not the goal. The goal is is like, man, I noticed that I'm getting activated by this thing. And instead of like running away from it, we like get curious about it. And so are you able to like be with yourself in any experience and be like, oh, I'm noticing you're feeling like a lot of anger right now. And that, that's that's difficult. That's a difficult, you know, feeling to have. And you can be present with yourself, but it doesn't last. You're not going years and now it's turning into rage and it's all this stuff. We we are able to rebound. And we are able to have compassion for ourselves and understanding and be like oh of course you're angry like you know this person did this thing and okay i'm processing that i'm doing what i need to do to take care of myself i have more tools like a lot of people just don't have tools they don't we don't talk about this i mean this is stuff we could be educating children about about like how do you calm yourself down how do you meditate you know let's talk about your emotions it's okay to have emotions and so we just don't have a lot of healthy coping uh, tools so we are going to cope. We're going to do whatever it takes to um, try to make ourselves feel OK. And so like a lot of times, you know, the last thing I check in with people about is like, what do you use to cope with these activations or these? You know, we call them lots of things. You could call them traumas. You could call it, you know, emotional wounds. You can call it lots of stuff, stress. But how do you cope with it? How do you deal with it? And you have like you know you could call it higher level level coping mechanisms and lower level. It's not a judgment. It's just like there are lower level coping mechanisms. Like you know I I go to the refrigerator and I eat some junk. Well, that's I mean it's not saying that's a, a that makes you a good or bad person. It's just saying that in the long term that helps maybe for a second and then it actually makes you not feel so good. So it's doing its job in the moment. But are there other things that can really support you know we can use to support you, but you know, it it, it just, it helps you in the moment and it helps you in the long term. And so it's getting more, you're just getting more um, healthy coping mechanisms. So we want to just get curious about the whole experience, understanding that the, you know, what are you feeling? You know, how often are you activated? How easy is it for you to like come down off of that? And how, you know, what support do you have? And I think that is really what builds um, the mental side of things. And then spiritually, it's just, you know, I can accept all my experiences, if I feel, you know, angry in this moment, or I feel sad in this moment, I allow it, it's just what I'm experiencing in this moment, but that again, is not who I am. And so I think that um, if we can understand our true essence, that, you know, whatever we're experiencing, that goes way, you know, who we really are goes way beyond that, that kind of stuff. And that's, that's kind of the spiritual component of it. I mean, I do like to ask people their spiritual practices. I, I ask them that as well. Um, And then I think we can also bolster them. And we, we're all together learning about, you know, I don't think anybody has like the, all of the knowledge about spiritual wellness, but it's, you know, help supporting each other and getting curious about some of this stuff, which is, you know, really fun. I think, I think it's like the funnest stuff to talk about.
0: So do you think it's essential for people in general to have a kind of quiet time or a disconnected, some time alone with themselves on a daily basis to really be able to identify these things that you mentioned?
1: I think slowing down can be really helpful. I think people might need different things, like people that live in isolation might actually do better to like be connected and that might help them unlock some of this stuff. I think, um, You know, if people if you're just like flooded with like activity and busyness and people around you all the time and go, go, go like quiet and stillness can can help pull some of this out. So I think, it's, you know, it's kind of getting in touch with like, what am I needing? But like people that, you know, the pandemic, is tough. People have been living. You know, there's some people that have been weathering this at home in their apartments by themselves for months now. And that can be very difficult. It can be very difficult to. Um, get in touch with some of this stuff because you're feeling so disconnected. and I, I think the thing to highlight is when we're in our you know real healthy place, we have two things. It's safety and connection. And so um, I think it's it's definitely it can be helpful to try to get quiet. But also, I just want to acknowledge that if you've been socially isolated for a long time, it might be hard to do that. It's like, oh, I have been quiet. I've been quiet for like months now, and I'm feeling really not well, like I'm feeling really hard getting to get grounded, it might actually be because you're having so much disconnection that you actually need connection, and then your nervous system can calm down. And then you're like, Oh, I remember now, like, I forgot, I like to go on a walk. So we have two things that are really that the pandemic has like made us feel unsafe. We don't know if we're going to get sick, we don't know what's going to happen, we don't know what to expect. And then the, um, the disconnection from one another. And so it's been a really difficult time. And I think that's why so many people are kind of struggling with these aspects. But in in short, usually, yes, like for me, I need I need a lot of quiet time. <laughs> I, I like when I'm overstimulated, I need to just kind of go outside, go in nature or go sit and be by myself and get quiet. For sure.
0: I really like that, though, because it's just like medicine. You know, we take an individual approach when we're treating the physical body in functional medicine. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way with your spiritual health. And that was like, one of the big things for me is I don't find that I feel recharged. I don't feel like I have mental clarity after sitting still and meditating where some people do. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. better doing meditation and motion. So like leaving yeah. my phone at home, going for a walk Like, that is the most therapeutic way for me to, you know, meditate or get in touch with how I'm actually feeling, how I'm actually doing. And before I thought it was like something negative, like, why can't I sit and meditate? That's right. You know, and I think there's a lot of stigma around what we should be doing and what it it looks like. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, that's a really great point that like these people that are in isolation, the last thing they need is to be told, you know, sit at home and connect with yourself. Like... I've been doing that. <laughs> that is a, it's a really, uh,
1: a great yes, and point, then they get really down. And they think like something's wrong with me like that. And that can extend to all of health, really, like, we have all, so much information right now, you can go on the internet and get information on any kind of eating plan, all these different types of movement. I feel like what's really lacking is people getting in touch with like, you know, playing with stuff like there is, You know just chilling with it a little bit like relax look there is not one right way let's get more curious about what works for me like get curious about what works for me and become the boss of yourself in your in your little area and we are always looking for like someone to be like tell us you know what's going to work for me now i can guide you and i will and i do and i love it it's my job and i i love it but my real work is to guide you back to yourself and your body you know you you getting to a place where you can trust your own body in your own mind and your own spirit to be like, Oh, I tried this thing and I felt really good and I liked it. Well, cool. That's for you then like, that's your thing. And that's it versus me being like, no, it has to look like this for you. Uh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have to look like anything. That's the, that's the biggest lie. And it, it keeps people, um, from I, to me, it's one of the biggest things that keeps people from their own well being. we are, we are um, outsourcing our intuition and our knowledge about our own selves. And it's a big problem. And so I think a lot of it is is just getting back into your own uh, own lane and be like, cool, that works for you. That's wonderful. Or yeah, I'll try it. And then you try it. And you're like, yeah, but I didn't really like that. Um, that, that just that's not for me. That's okay. But you do still need to eat real food. So what real food is for you? <laughs> or like what movement is? for I mean, you don't have to, but if you do want to feel good, like, There are some basic principles, but within those basic principles, there's a million things you can do. So there's basic principles. You can stick with those and then blow that way up and try a whole bunch of stuff and then get really curious about like, what is it for me though?
0: And I think that's what this whole, you know, our episode is about is like finding that soul or your heartbeat in medicine. And I really, I look at my daughter, Emery, who's, you know, four months um, now and her body, she knows what she needs. You know, like you look at when we're born, we know what we need. Like she knows when she's hungry. She knows when she's tired. She stops eating when she's full. Like she has such an understanding of her needs. And the only way, of course, she can communicate is by crying. But I feel like somewhere along the way, we forget about what our body needs, or we've like closed off listening and hearing because I do think intuitively, our bodies are telling us what is right and what is wrong for us. I just feel like we have this disconnection. And I don't know if it's because of things that we're seeing online or through social media, or maybe when we go to a functional medicine office or a regular primary care visit that people tell us what we should be doing. And so we forget, to pay attention to how it actually makes us feel. Um, But I do think that's such a disconnect. And I don't know, do you have any thoughts? I know this is uh, kind of random, but like, why do we go from being born with such great intuition and knowing what we need to now kind of seeking people to tell us exactly what we need and not being able to identify how it actually makes us feel?
1: Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that's the game of life. And you know? like, I think, it, I mean, this is just my thoughts. But like, for, in a spiritual context, I mean, we are literally born perfect. We're born perfect. We, I mean, if you look at babies and kids, you're like, Oh, my God, they're just so they're natural. We forgot how to be natural. We forgot how to just be. And it's not anything we did wrong. It's just like the nature of the world, the world, um, you know, it, it's just like this game of like you born you're born perfect. You're born like just pure love you're born look at you Like you, you know things just happen Like you just grew inside of, of your mom and then you're born and then you just learn stuff and like it just ha- happens You don't have to like force anything And then you come in the world and the world tells you no you have to like you know, grind fix it push it do it It's just like I make it this way And it's just not, it's not what we're designed for. That's not the way, Um, that's not the way that works the best. I mean, we think that we, if we, you know, we have to know best. Kids don't think that they are supposed to know everything. They know that they're they're like, hey, they're curious. They're like, why? We forgot how to be curious and just check stuff out. We think, you know, we get all this pressure. Like I got to know everything. I got to be perfect. I got to, you know, do it this right way. Otherwise, I'm not okay. To me, it's just the lie of that we're not already okay. And um, I think that extends to health as, as well. We we do a lot of stuff for our health, so that we'll be okay. Like, if I lose weight, then I'll be acceptable. I'll be okay. No, no, you're fine. You're still acceptable. You're perfect. You have some extra adipose tissue, but that doesn't impact who you are. So it's just these lies and this baggage and this garbage we collect over our lifetime, the process to me of coming back to health, it's not, it's not adding much onto who you are. It's actually a process of shedding all this garbage that we collected along the way. And I love looking at babies because I'm, I'm like, oh my goodness, like, you know, yes, we gotta treat ourselves like babies. Like, you know, <laughs> you're tired, go to sleep. Yes. What is going on? Like, you're hungry, we'll go eat. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, we don't do the most basics. And then we're like, why don't I function well? Uh, because like, watch a baby. If, and like, what are you going to do with your baby? Be like, no, you can't sleep. You've got to go <laughs> do all this stuff. Or like, there's no time to eat, baby. i know. like, no, <laughs> no. So it's like, could we please treat ourselves like a baby ourselves a little bit more? Because that is, you know, if we just do these little basic things for ourselves, so much can be much easier. We can actually accomplish what we want because we can feel and function well.
0: And I think that's so much about society telling us what health looks like, you know, like what does it look like to be healthy? It's a certain size or what? And I know you and I work with a lot of patients. And so we know that the size and the color of your hair and the way your skin looks does not define health. When you look at labs, when you look at their mental well-being, it's not, not at all. this way that you look. And I feel like, you know, sometimes we're looking and I don't know that saying, I always mess up, mess up everything, but it's the uh, round peg in a square hole that it's like, you know, mm. we're all trying to be the same thing of what we yeah. think health looks like. And It's not like it's it's very individualized. It's very different. And so is there kind of like as we're talking about this, is there anything that you do to kind of help your patients find that soul or that heartbeat in their health and wellness journey and kind of block out all the noise like and just really kind of focus on their heartbeat on their journey?
1: Yeah, I I think, well, I think the first thing is, is to like, you know, we think we lost ourselves or we think we're like, I don't, I'm like, I don't know, like I lost my soul or something. It's like, you can't, you didn't lose anything. You're right there. There's just literally, they're just like garbage piles on top of it. Like just start clearing this garbage pile away. So you can, you are, you are your soul. You are literally there and you are your intuition And you know, this stuff can be buried, it can't be lost. And so it's just like reminders of like, calm down. Like, (laughs) this is just, these are just the facts here. So don't panic, calm down, like you're not lost. And then it is, you know, the easiest thing I do. I mean, I think the thing is, is just to like really focus on what are the things that make me feel really, really good you know, what are those? Just start remembering. People won't even know what they like to do for fun anymore. I mean, they don't know anything about like what lights them up anymore. You can get people in your office. They're just, they feel totally lost. It's it's fine. But guess what? We're going to start just trying to remember and then just start trying to do some things. What are the things that make you feel like, you know, lit up and, you know, joyous and peaceful and fulfilled and start trying to just, you know, crawl if you have to just crawl any way you can move towards those things. And if you find something, it's a non-negotiable that comes into your, you know, your life. This is if, if I want to feel this way, then I have to get in touch with what makes what helps me. And then that goes into my regimen that's in my life because I want to continue to feel that way. And then we also have to pay attention to the things that make you feel sad and tired and drained and overwhelmed and anxious. And some of it is how you're thinking about things. Yes. But sometimes it's just like, no, this just doesn't work for me. This doesn't work for me. And so you got to know that. And then you got to figure out a plan to be like, yeah, this doesn't work for me. So I have to, I'm the boss of my life. If I'm a grown-up, then no one else can do this for me. I have to do it. I get to do it. I don't have to, I can live like this forever, but I can, I can make a different choice. I can make a different choice and do something different. I can do more of the stuff that lights me up. I can give myself permission to do that. And I can give myself permission to say I don't do a ton of stuff that I don't like to do. It's not good for me, and because I, I want to feel good, I want to be lit up. I want to shine my light in the world, and I, I'll have a dim light if I do a whole bunch of stuff that I that makes me sad, and I don't do a lot of stuff that makes me happy. And it is it's it's as simple as that. Sometimes I mean, it really really is. You have to. You know, I, I try to give people permission to use their own intuition to be the boss of their own experience and be like, you can do it. It's OK. You can you can say what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And that's OK. And there's a lot of reasons why people feel that they can't. But it's that process of just regaining um, autonomy over your human experience. And I think that is that's the ticket. Mm-hmm. That's the ticket home.
0: And I think that's, you know, I, when I meet with my patients, I, very similar to you, ask them, like, what lights you up? And what I also find, and I don't know if you hear this a lot, but they will start to tell me, like, well, what their kids really enjoy doing or what their spouse really yeah. enjoys doing. And, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to know what lights you up. And I think that, you know, especially caregivers or, you know, people with families or careers, like, sometimes it's so easy to focus on what the people around you need that we totally neglect our own needs, And I just I not to say that that just falls on women, because I think it happens with all genders, um, all ages. But it's something I do see a lot with uh, women. And it doesn't even mean women with kids. But it's, you know, uh, there there seems to be and I know that things are changing. But this biological difference where women like cares for the house, like automatically is thinking about, you know, different household things. They're thinking about their Mm -hmm. career and. Um, Athena, who was on the podcast before her therapist called it these in, in, uh, visible burdens that sometimes are held on people without even realizing how many things that they're focusing on and thinking about, like, even, you know, take you as an example and me taking care of our patients. Like we're thinking about what does our patients need? What does, you know, what does this person need? And before we know it, like we're just weighed down and we forget to, take a second and figure out what we need. And again, going back to that baby, they obviously always know what they need. Um, And for some reason, when you were talking about, like, if you're hungry, eat, I was just thinking about all my patients that are like, well, it's not 12 p.m. yet and I'm intermittent fasting. So I'm going to go grab another cup of coffee. Oh my gosh, I know.
1: (laughs) I'm like, I can't. I'm like... (laughs)
0: I can't eat yet. I'm intermittent fasting and I'm hungry, but I'm going to have more coffee and increase my yeah, cortisol all these more
1: rules, all these rules. I'm like, uh, the only rule is listen to your body and do, and, and listen, like just tune in and listen to that and try that for a little bit. Just, I mean, you can try all these different things, but to me, that's, that's where you get more peace where it's just like, oh, and then I do that. And then all of these weird, you know, uncomfortable sensations go away. Okay. I'm
0: going to do right. that because I just want to have peace. Right. And I think that's kind of, you know, functional medicine can can also kind of be a lot of noise for people. Like yes. I I think about even when I'm meeting with a patient, I'm like, okay, well, there's all these different detailed tests we can do. These there's all these dietary changes. There's, you know, these supplements that based on your blood work, yeah, you probably need them. But it can be very loud, it can be very overwhelming. And then patients leave and they're more confused or they're like, man, I don't like have the funds and the money. And it's, it can be super overwhelming when I think, like you said, at the very beginning, there's some basic foundational things. Like if, you need to eat real food, you need to move your body, it may look different from person to person. Um, But being that we're both in the same space, just kind of having a little bit of a conversation about how it can be overwhelming. And is there some things that you do to really kind of help with positive change with your patients without having them feel overwhelmed by all the test results and the supplements and the dietary changes? And how do you kind of balance that with your patients?
1: Yeah, I think, I think this is when we talk about a personal approach, this is one of those areas where it's really important because there are some people, like if they leave my office and they didn't get a whole bunch of testing, they feel like they didn't get their money's worth because that's what they came in looking for. But in general, I really don't like to start out with doing a million tests. Um, I really think that it's very important to you know start by understanding a person's whole story and kind of taking all that in and then really focusing on foundational principles. Like some people might have like several aspects that they already have locked down in their health and that's doing really well, so we need to focus over here. But in general, the foundations for me come first because really, I mean, I could do 5 trillion supplements. I mean, I can do all this stuff and if I didn't address your foundations, you'll still never get better. And for me, That's my job. I want you to get better. If it takes one visit and you're better then my work here is done. Like it's not, I'm not interested in like keeping you in care for the rest of your life. Like I want you to get better and go tell your friends and send them, send them in to see (laughs) me. So I would like to, I I mean, I'm just, for me, it's like, okay, we have to look at, you know, you have to eat. If you want, this is all premised on like you're coming to see me and you want to feel better. And you want to have a different experience in how you're living and how you're feeling. So if you want that, that is your goal because you don't have to do these things. But if you want to have a different experience then we do have to do things differently. And so you have to look at, you know, what are the nourishment? What foods are going in my body? What works for me? What, you know, what are the basic foundational principles of nutrition that you need? And then for me, it's always like, and then what do I love? Like, how can I make this in a way that I really like? How do I make it easy? How do I move my body? Um, what, you know, sometimes you're in chronic pain. If you have Lyme disease, you might not be able to be going doing CrossFit. You'll just feel like you're going to die. So that's not going to work for you, but you can still, maybe you can do chair yoga. You can start with just like you restorative yoga. You can start with really simple stuff. So it's what works for me right now. And it's important to remember that might not be forever, but that's what's right now. So we'll start with right now and then we go from there and we're we're making adjustments as we move on and we get better. Sleeping, I mean, You have to rest, you know, sleep, stress management, and also like thing that's very important to me and that I pay a lot of attention to is like loving relate, like relationships and connection and, um, even purpose. And like, you know, you know, whether that's your job or something else, it's just these other aspects of like having a whole human experience where you're, because a lot of times if you're, I mean, if you're alone, desperately lonely all the time, and we're trying to work, or you have like, you know, history of trauma that's unresolved, you know, you might be using your lifestyle to cope. And then if I only just focus on like, well, you need to change your diet, but you use your food to soothe yourself, I won't be able to take that away. I won't be able to change that because um, you're still using that to cope. So I think it's just understanding all of it And um, meeting each person where they're at. I don't, I mean, this is where functional medicine is really great because I'm like, it cannot be the same for everybody because it just won't work. And so just meeting people where they're at and um, really focusing on foundations.
0: And I think there's still, you know, the foundations are the most important thing. And I always say, like, you can't outrun the donut. Like, you can't have one of those wellness pillars that you're doing so great and not focus on all of them, because they're all super, super important. Just as you talked about your sleep, your relationships, your stress, your diet, your nutrition, um, your exercise, like every single one of them, like you can't thrive in one area and neglect all the others and expect to feel whole. But I find and I don't know if you experience this as well. But Even though people in their mind want that and they understand that, I still feel like there's people that come to functional medicine looking for that one answer or that like one pill, you know, that is Mm -hmm. still gonna make them feel better. And I think as a society, We just—it's you know—with the whole uh, fast food scene, you know, decades ago, it's like we just want things that are quick. And now you have technology, and you you can text somebody and get an answer back right away. Or you know, we're all looking for this quick fix, and that's what this whole podcast is about. And that's the little by—it's little by little, little becomes a lot. And you know, lifestyle changes are tough. Like it is hard. Like it's—it is. You know, I always tell people. I don't master this every day. Like I'm a business Mm -hmm. owner. There's many days that I skim on my sleep and I know I shouldn't, but I do look at like, okay, well, what can I do? Can I drink extra water today? Say no to that extra cup of coffee. Can I, you know, take some time in the middle of the afternoon to just do some deep breathing. Um, You know, there's some different things. And so I know I'm not perfect and um, nobody is when it comes to lifestyle and that it is a very individualized approach, but it is tough. And so what do you find when you're meeting with these patients? Like, what do you think is the toughest lifestyle behavior that you hear for people to change?
1: I say it's, it's kind of different than I, I would say it's, it's really anything that we're using to cope with trauma or very difficult emotions. That's going to be the hardest to change because you, you know, we're wired for survival. Like I said, we want to be safe. And we literally use some of these things like, you know, we'll just sit and binge watch Netflix because that's our way of checking out. Or we just, you know, we we go for junk food because that gives us a little hit. I mean, we might not be, you know, on the streets using drugs, but we're using these other things. We literally have things within our lifestyle that we're using to cope with pain, whether it's physical pain, but a lot of times it's emotional pain or trauma. And so that is where it's tricky, because if I try to pull something away from you that you've been using all this time to cope with pain, then that will be extreme. That will be almost impossible, but at least very, you know, very, very difficult. And you're going to struggle. And then it's a cycle where then you think something's wrong with you and you think you're weak willed or all this stuff. And that's not really it. It's really just a matter of you know, understanding these dynamics that we we just do that. That's what we do as human beings. And it'll look different for everybody, but uh, that's the game. The game is we have pain. If the pain doesn't process through our system, we have, we develop coping mechanisms brilliantly to stay alive and still be able to like show up and function. And then man, you stack some pain and trauma on there, then you're going to, ha- you're going to need more and so we have to dismantle some of this you know emotional pain a lot of it is is emotional pain we have to understand our is understand that component i think um and that's that's our the newest i mean where there's a lot of conversation around trauma and trauma now and um i think it's really hopeful because i think it's our way out it's like what functional medicine was to um, physical health is, you know, this trauma research is, is that's parallel to mental health. And because it gives people answers why like, Oh, I'm not just crazy. Like this is why it happens. I make sense. And so I think that when we don't think we make sense um, or we think that we have to, you know, sacrifice our safety um, and be too uncomfortably vulnerable um, or take something away that that you're using for a, a different purpose. Food is really here to nourish us. So if you're using food for a different purpose, then we need to get curious about why that is, and we need to give you some other support there. So I think another, you know, basically a lot of it is just around um, the, the mental aspect because um, we, we focus on the behavior. But for me, it's just like, you know, we have a lot of mental muscles we need to build, And or just understanding about the mental aspect of it. But, you know, really working on changing thinking patterns and understanding thinking patterns and understanding coping mechanisms is how we have the best chance at really addressing all these lifestyle changes and all these behaviors that maybe aren't giving us the results that we're looking for.
0: I'm just imagining this umbrella and the just mental health being so foundational <laughs> and like all the other lifestyle just like pouring off of it because yeah. you're exactly right. If our if our mental health isn't there, one, we're not going to be consistent with anything we try to do. Um, and two, you know, your mind, I always I think if even two when I talk with my patients, like as a, a A simple uh, analogy is the patient that tries to eat super healthy all day long and they weigh under eat and they're stressed and their ghrelin, their, you know, uh, uh, appetite or hunger, that growling hormone is just like screaming at them. So they go home and they eat every single thing in sight. Like they have such good intentions and the physical Mm -hmm. health that ghrelin hormone takes over and willpower is just not enough at that point. And then they eat everything in sight and It it becomes this domino effect, and it's like, okay, if I mentally am paying attention to how I feel, I'd be consuming Mm -hmm. more calories throughout the day, giving my stomach and my body what it needs, and able to keep that willpower and that mental health um, and that accountability there, you know, and I always say 80% of the time because nobody is perfect, so – every once in a while I go out and I eat a donut too. So, um, you know, <laughs> it's not like we're telling people never to eat a donut, but Let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's so important. It's incredibly important. And so I don't know how much you want to share about your own kind of personal journey, but, um, a couple questions just surrounding, cause you said, you know, over 10 years ago, you had your own personal journey has your health and wellness. Has it really changed over the years? Maybe like your morning or night routines or your non- Negotiables or some different biohacking tips. Like, have you looked back ten years ago at what you were doing for health and wellness, and then compared it to what you're doing now? And does it look different?
1: Yeah, definitely looks different. I think I was probably more on the on the train of like, you know, jumping back and forth of like, you know, gotta gotta go on this diet, and because I gotta, you know, my thighs are too big or something. I'm trying to lose weight, and I gotta, you know, try to pull these calories back. Don't eat um and then work out i mean i've like passed out in the gym before i mean it's just so it was more just like you know do this thing and then totally neglecting other things like stress and you know i didn't really have any tools for like you know calming stress i found yoga probably in my early 30s um so i, I didn't have a lot of other coping mechanisms i had a ton of anxiety and um and even depression just a lot of like my mind i just felt like there's you know if my mind told me something to do it was happening like i didn't understand that like just because a thought comes through that i could be like wait i just thought the thought but i don't have to like just because i thought it doesn't mean it's true or that i have to do that thing so like i just it was wild it was really hard too because then you'd get off that train and you'd be like yes but i'm gonna eat this cookie and i'm super addicted to sugar and I have to treat it now like it's an addiction for me because if I eat a cookie, um I could stand the chance of getting back on this train where I just ate the whole row of cookies. And then I used to then I would do that and then I'd feel bad about myself and I'd you know, feel a lot of guilt and shame and then I wouldn't want to work out anymore because I just thought I was a terrible person. It was just wild. I mean, it was just not fun at all. So the the process now has shifted more towards just like watching my thoughts. Um, that is probably my biggest biohack. Is like, whoa, slow down. Like if I'm feeling actually any uncomfortable emotion, I just tr- I go back to my mind and say, what am I thinking right now? because if I can do that, then I can pretty much calm down any kind of behavior. I mean, it might take some time, but I can I can get a handle on it much faster and it doesn't take take a hold of me. But, you know, now I'm much more concerned with, I'm tightly concerned with um, monitoring my stress levels. I can watch when I'm getting overly stimulated or, you know, I'm just I'm like, oh, I'm feeling super irritable. What's going on? I get curious. I ask questions of myself now. I tune in. Before, if I felt sad I was running away from myself I'm like oh my god here's this <laughs> depression coming back like i got to run as fast as I can and I knew it was just gonna be a tidal wave and just come and get me eventually and swallow me up now I'm like oh you're sad like what's going on because that's not normal for me now so I'm like well, you're sad like tell me more like a little kid like you're going to a baby a little kid and you're being like you're sad what happened and you're getting curious and you're and you're going towards yourself and um So now I can be like, oh, of course I'm sad. I like, I'm doing all, I'm like, you've been not playing at all. Like I've been like just working, working, working. I'm stuck in the house. I can't see my friends or family. Like I'm bummed. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. And then it goes through me. And then I'm like, oh, now I'm not sad. Fast. So it's just like. You know I, I try to go with myself now i just try to tune in and i'm much more easy on myself i don't get in a ton of you know if i am gain more weight i'm like well and then i'm pretty i mean one day i might lose weight too i mean it's just it just i flow with it or whatever is happening but i try to get really curious in general my foundational stuff that i need to do besides the stress is like i have to sleep if i don't sleep i'm i'm not okay um, and water is huge for me. I mean, if I don't drink water and it's a hard one, cause I, I don't like to drink water, but like, if I don't, I have a ton of pain. I can't think straight. Um, just things go wrong. And, and the other thing is for me is nature. Like if I can go outside and put my hands in the dirt, I just am like, Oh, I, okay. I'm back. Like I feel so much better. And so those are the things that I found that works for me. But in general, I actually don't have anything that is non-negotiable for me. I'm always about negotiating with myself, <laughs> not in a way where I let myself slide because I like, but it's not like, oh, well, you know, look at you, you're being like weak with this. No, it's just that I, I let, I'm i like, ooh, you're feeling tired right now. Well, maybe you'll just do like a stretch instead of like a 30 minute bike ride. Okay, we'll do that today. And then tomorrow you can see how you feel again. And if it's multiple days where I'm not feeling well, I'm like, what's going on? That's not normal. So it's more like that i i actually negotiate all the time literally like every moment is like negotiating with myself i literally have this like right now i have my hands moving back and forth where i'm like okay because you get you get your eating right and then your your movement might fall off or your sleep falls off and then you got your stress right your stress management right it's like all these things you're just trying to juggle all the time and so for me i think it's like virtually impossible to have it all tight all the time But we're in this process of just juggling and meeting ourselves where we're at, like, and giving ourselves what we need at whatever moment we're at. And that's what I've found that works best for me.
0: And was that mental shift, was it a journey for you? Did it take time for you to get to this place? Oh, yeah,
1: totally. And I think the biggest thing that I didn't mention is this is tightly rooted in self-love. I have to, if I'm not doing something because I adore myself, then it has the potential to, to be the opposite where I'm doing something to, because I'm like, well, you're fat. And so you better get on that bike. Uh, would I talk to my like, baby like that? No, again, like you go to <laughs> this little innocent thing. Like, why am I, why would I do that? That doesn't work for me anymore. So I, everything is like, Oh my gosh. Cause that, why? Cause I want to feel good and I want to function really h- at a high level. Cause so I can show up in the world and I can be a light and I can shine on people and then I you know, that's my primary. That's my only job. We're here. We're, we're in all these other everybody else's business, and we're not in our own business. My business is p- tightly paying attention to what makes me feel good. And so and and do things because I'm enough and I love myself. And when it comes from that place, it's the funnest journey of all time. I mean, people get so worried and they're like, this is going to be restrictive and this is going to be the pits. And I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) This is going to be the funnest thing of your whole life. Your literal only job is just to pay attention to what makes you feel good and then adore yourself right as you are right now. What is more fun than that? Like there's nothing more fun than that. And so to me, if it's fun, Of course. And I'm going to do it. If it sucks, why would I do that? That doesn't even make sense. So to me, it's it's in that like you're paying attention to the energy of stuff. And if it's rooted in love and fun and happiness and peace, I'm going to do those things. That's what I choose to do. And so that that's just what works for me. If it's not if it's not that it just never worked. It was just a torturous back and forth.
0: Man, I had two more questions, but I feel like that's like drop the mic. That was <laughs> that was so good, Robbie. I that's like so inspirational and I really think that if we all made that shift that we would we would get our heartbeat back on our health and wellness journey. We would get our soul back and um gosh, that's so inspirational and I think that it does come from self-love and so many of us it's not self-love like so many of our thoughts every day it's negative first and trying to shift that mindset rather than the self-love place and really listening to what your body needs and wants is coming from such a positive mindset man it does sound fun
1: It's a total, it's a total journey. I think, you know, and if you're struggling in it, you're not abnormal. This is it. And the thing for me is that I always felt like, Oh, well, I already did that. Like I figured that out already. Like, why is this happening again? Cause this is your whole life. You're going to be doing this. I mean, you got your whole life to figure it out. It's not a race. It's not, there's no death. you know, it's not like, Oh, an end point. This is a journey. We're not like going to make it to one point and then it stops. It's just for the rest of our lives, we can take good care of ourselves and, We can learn about ourselves and we can, you know, have fun, like just lighten up about the whole thing a little bit and just have fun with the whole thing. And it, it can be, it can be different for you. People, you don't, you know, people think that it can't change and it absolutely can. Absolutely.
0: Well, I love every single thing that you talked about today. And um, you may not have anything else to add. But as we wrap up, is there a small change that our listeners can start doing today to become the better version or just basically everything we talked about? Is there anything you want to add or end with? I would
1: say I say the biggest thing is just um, you know, tune, just tune into yourself, um, and, and just try to start with where you're at, just accept what is right now, but don't, don't let that be, um, in your mind. Like, Oh, well, because it's, cause this is where I'm at right now. This is where it's always going to be. Get really curious about your experience. Um, and if you're feeling like you're not filled with self-love, let that be okay. You know, whatever is coming up for you, it's okay. But also, you know, just try to look at um, the mental muscle building. The mental muscles is just basically if you can create any space, if you can watch a thought go in and you notice you said something to yourself that you're like, you're whatever. We, I mean, all the things that we say to ourselves that are so mean, you're just, you know, you're fat or you're dumb or why, why are you doing this again? If you can notice yourself doing that, just see if you can be like, oh, like I saw that thought go through there. And pay attention. How did it feel? That didn't feel good. Okay, well, is there another thought that might be different or more true or more helpful? Okay, let that one run through. If you can just create a little bit of space between all these things that are running through your mind like a show, that is just that just because it's playing through the mind. See what if you can let some of that just flow through if it's not, if it's not true, it's not helpful, swipe it on through. Wipe it through and then see if you can start working on building in, uh, like replacing some of that stuff with what might be more helpful and more true. And just that process of noticing, even noticing that you had a thought means that you're not that thought, which means you can change it. And to me, that is the biggest thing. Cause if you can change your thinking You stand a chance to to question everything because if we think it and we believe it's true and then that impacts every you know how we behave and the actions we take and the experience that we have but we can shift it that means there there's so much possible for us and there's this awesome um this process that helped me it's from byron katie it's this website it's called um www.thework.com it's the most simple process. All these resources are free online, lots of videos. It was a process that really helped me. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wait, are you saying just because I think it doesn't mean that it's true? And I don't have <laughs> to like believe it. Are you kidding me? And like, it just everything shifted. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, what else am I thinking that is not true or not helpful or, you know, that I can. So to me, if we can work on the mental muscles and we can just have a little bit more acceptance for where we're at right now, but not you know be overwhelmed that well it's happening right now so that's how it's always going to be and just be flexible with like well i don't know what's going to happen next maybe it's going to be something really fun and exciting that energy is contagious and and that energy can really change so much in your life
0: it's such an empowering thought that we do have power over our thoughts right that's so totally so empowering it's true
1: it's true. I promise you, it's true. It's just, it just, it, we're so in the practice of doing, of not believing it or believing our thoughts and not thinking we do have power and feeling powerless. It's just a little bit of building those muscles to be like, well, let me just play with it. Let me see if I can shift them a little bit. And you can.
0: Well, this was truly inspirational, Rabia. And if any of our listeners want to find you, where can they find you?
1: Well, you can, uh, you can find me online. You can also go to our website. So I'll give you my um, social media links, but you can also go to our website. So it's www.elevatefunctionalmedicine.com. And then, um, you can, I like, I have all these social media. I got to find out this, what is my thing? Okay. So it's Robbie Vaughns R-A-B-I-A Vons, V-A-U-G-H-N-S on Instagram. And that would be the best place to
0: find me. And I love following you because I love seeing all your gardening and all your house (laughs) projects. She's such a grounding person. So you guys make sure you follow Rabia and check out their website because it's beautiful. And I hope you don't mind me sharing that you built the whole thing. Um, Okay, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You did such an awesome job. Um, So thank you so much for spending your afternoon with us and be sure to check her out. Kristen, it was so great talking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stout Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.